0: and the Pay Dia Education Podcast episode 4: The Case for Recess. If you have a child in school or you have been listening to the PaDI podcast over the last few weeks, you know that we are in the middle of major school reform here in the United States. Our current school reform began in the 1980s and has resulted in major changes to our educational system and the way in which our children spend their days at school. While this change has brought some improvement, there have been several casualties along the way. Namely, we have significantly reduced our children's exposure to the arts, music education, and physical education. While those are more structured, extracurricular, quote-unquote, non-essential courses, our kids have also missed out on recess. Now. Of course, a lot of people view recess as just time for kids to play. In this podcast, Dr. Richard and I review some of the essential components of recess and how recess actually plays a vital role in our overall child development, cognitive development, and social development. We believe that recess should be a daily activity for our kids with the goal of promoting overall Healthy development. So, we hope you enjoy the podcast. And again, as always, we hope that it gives you something to talk about and something to think about so that you can join in on the conversation. Just a few updates before the podcast begins our November newsletter is now available on the website pacflorida, PACFLORIDA.com. You can sign up for the newsletter there and receive it in your inbox on a monthly basis. Uh, also, We want to give you the update for our next workshop, which will be held on December 11th. The title of the workshop is Managing the Holidays. During this three-hour workshop, Dr. Richard and I will be presenting on some of the stressors and issues related to the holiday season and how you can best manage this time of year. As always, we encourage you to follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at Bernie at D-R-B-E-R-N-E-Y. And on Facebook... We have several Facebook pages, including Paedia, P-A-E-D-E-I-A. The Mental Breakdown is another Facebook page that you can follow for mental health updates. And then our Practice Facebook page, which is Psychological Associates of Central Florida. If you listen to us on iTunes, we encourage you and request that you write a review or rate us. By you providing a rating or review, that increases our visibility so that others can join in on the conversation As always, the more voices, the more impact. Okay, I think that's all of the updates for this week. So sit back, enjoy the podcast, and if you have any questions, please reach out to us. We always look forward to hearing from you. Thanks so much, and enjoy episode four The Case for Recess. All right, welcome to episode four. Of the Paedia Education Podcast, I'm Dr. Bernie. and I'm Dr. Richard. And Richard, I'm I'm on the right channel for uh, Good. <laughs> for Mixler. Um, I've got everything recording right. Uh, for those of you who aren't aware, we we recorded our other podcast on Friday, the Mental Breakdown, and uh, we had all kinds of technical things going on. So it was <laughs> it was a, an exciting little. Shuffling of things to try to get everything moving and going where it needed to go. So, uh, but I think we're all set uh, today okay. to talk about recess. So the, the title of today's episode is uh, episode four, the case for recess. And um, we we wrote a column for the Lakeland Ledger uh, this past week that was that was published on well today today Today's right. Sunday uh, Sunday the twenty second 22nd? 22nd. yeah. 22nd. And in the column, we talked about uh, recess, and so we thought we would do the podcast today on the same topic and kind of expand it a little bit. We only have uh, about six or seven hundred words that we can use in the in the ledger column, and so
1: I think a lot more needs to be said. Right. So, and, and it is a top. It is a it is a topic of uh, current interest because the uh, Polk County School Board um, has a um, study group they uh, assembled. Uh, Studying the issue of recess, Um, there's considerable parent and teacher support for recess, but it's not a simple decision. And um, so this uh, group of uh, stakeholders, including administrators, parents and teachers, um, are meeting to see if we can, I guess the right word would be re-implement recess into um, our schools because it has been done away with. One of the casualties of No Child Left Behind when somebody made the decision that we needed more instructional time. Right. And I think we'll go into that in the course of this podcast. But so it is a topic of current uh, interest uh, locally. So, right. Right. And yeah, so let's, let's start by, by going back just a
0: little bit and, and talking about really why we need to talk about that, I'll talk about this. And, you know, recess, uh, uh, well... As we've talked about in previous podcasts, especially episode three uh, from last week, school reform and, and the current state of our education system has led to a lot of changes. Part of those changes has been the focus on um, what I call academic engaged time. You know, mm-hmm. the, the focus has been we need to make sure that students are in class and, and learning uh, as much as possible to improve their their learning, their academic performances, their test performances, and things like that. Intuitively, that sounds perfect. No problem there. Uh, We'll we'll kind of go into some other things later on as it relates to that. But because of the way that the school systems and our our sort of philosophy for schools have changed, we've started getting rid of what some consider non-essentials. And some of those non-essentials are things like P.E., Art, music, those kinds of things. And, and there's certainly been uh, a lot of talk about this over the years. And I, I feel, and unfortunately, I, I feel that a lot of that talk has gone unheard because, you know, the people who have been talking about, well, we need to get art back in school have traditionally been art teachers. Mm-hmm. Uh, those people who talk about we need to get music back in school have tended to be. Music art teachers. and music teachers so or individuals who have a particular interest in those subjects right 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 and and I think that that is it's great that those people are talking out but you know it never it unfortunately has failed to really gain any momentum um, in, in this this talk against removing these things from the, our, our classrooms and from our from our schools uh, because it, we the voice just wasn't loud enough. You know, on one hand, you have the art and music teachers and some of these individual families saying, hey, we need to get these things back in school. And on the other side, you have this crowd of people yelling, no, we need more academic engaged time. Right. Um, and it just, I think that the, the voice of those who are calling for more art education and music education, mm-hmm. they're just being drowned out.
1: Right. And also, um, I- the Chicago public schools haven't had um, recess for 30 years. Wow. Um, which I didn't, I didn't realize. I think part of the reason was safety and part of the reason was time. But, um, but certainly the biggest factor in, in um, reducing time for what are called non-essentials like art, music, PE, and recess was um, to give students more time in class. And that really accelerated um, when No Child Left Behind was um, passed because now you had um, punitive measures. Schools were actually punished if they underperformed. So uh, schools with low-performing students in particular um, got the message with No Child Left Behind and said, then let's eliminate everything that's non-essential and let's have as much instructional time as possible. So while we typically think of recess being a casualty of no child left behind, uh, school districts were beginning to eliminate it for other reasons as well. So we don't wanna we don't wanna pick on no child left behind excessively, but I think that was the that no child left behind was a driving force uh, to eliminate what we what are referred to in education as non-essentials right right and we're
0: going to get into that in, in much more detail because i think that that is a critical point and and that's also going to be a major issue that really affects what we do about it and, and so we're, we're going to get to that but but first let's richard let's spend a few minutes talking about you know uh, about why these other i, I always use air quotes though <laughs> nobody listening can see that we that's use right. air quotes when we they say non essentials right? um the the issue is is that a, as neuropsychologists, we know that these non-essentials have an important place in brain development. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and, and so I wanted to spend a few minutes talking about uh, some of this because I, I think that again, this these are details that are lost. Okay, so let's let's talk about, for example, uh, physical education. You know, clearly. Physical education has a a role that far exceeds just going outside and playing. Right. Um, And 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 again, um, what we're going to talk about here with PE physical education is different than recess. Mm -hmm. Recess is more of an unstructured, free interaction, free play Mm time type of time, as as compared to physical education, which is a more structured, which we're defining as a more structured. time where students are learning particular things about athletics. They're they're right. doing particular things about to understand their physical body mm-hmm. and how their body interacts with the world around them. So and,
1: it, and it's about skill development. Correct. Right? As a as a prescribed skill that, correct. that they're expected to master. Mm-hmm.
0: Correct. And, and and so it's so when we think about physical education, clearly Physical education has a place that far exceeds just the kids going out and being on the PE field for 30 minutes a day. Right. Um, not just the physical, uh, the physical benefits of going out and mm-hmm. exercising. Right. You know, it's it's hard to not at least acknowledge the correlation between our childhood obesity rates <clears throat> and the decline of physical education opportunities. You know, right. Those two things seem to be happening at the same time. Kids are playing less, they're outside less, they're gaining weight, and they're not as physically fit. Those, that's, that should be obvious to, to all of us. You know, for, for many kids, PE, physical education, was their primary source of exercise that's right. uh, during the day. You know, if, right. if we have, say, third and fourth grade students you know, they go home after school, and they they have to stay inside because of either the weather or because uh, their parents aren't home, latchkey kids and things like that. They come home, and they, ha- they need to stay in the house because they're not allowed to go out and play. And then their parents don't get home until later, so now it's too dark to go out and play. Physical education would have been the only time for them to get any right. physical exer- exercise.
1: Right. So So it's important for our physical development. Right, and I think we need to remember that for many children... The food that they eat at school is the only food they get all day. Right. Likewise, the exercise they get at school might be the only exercise they get all day. If they live in a small apartment in a dangerous neighborhood, they're not going to be able to go out and play. Right. So this may... Uh, so when we talk about food and rest and hygiene, and I think we need to talk about uh, play or recess in the same way, that this may be the only opportunity they have all day to go out. Right, mm-hmm. right.
0: And, you know, and, and I certainly have patients where this is the case, and it's, it's sad talking about yeah. kids who can't go outside and play, you know. And, and then when they try to play inside the house, well, there's rules, you know. No throwing a ball inside the house. No running inside can't the house. Ball, you know, it, it's... And so these kids really have no opportunity That's to right. explore themselves physically, and and, uh, and to get exercise. And, those kinds and the of things. and the
1: terrible irony is is that the children who need these breaks are these children um, living in particularly children in poverty living in small apartments who don't have the opportunity. Those are the same kids who are underachieving. And schools are saying right. we can't yeah. let the underachieving kids out to play because we have to give them more instructional time. Right. So it's this—it's this terrible circle that we find ourselves caught in. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely.
0: So, so they—so this is the—at least part of the importance of physical education. It, it's much more important than just hey, the kids need to go outside and play. This right. is for their physical health. This is for their, and and it teaches them. You know, I, I remember taking PE in high school and you learn about how your body works. You know, physical education oftentimes is the place where you learn, you know what, I can't move my leg in that direction or I can't, I can't exert that type of force on my body without some kind of discomfort. Um, And so that's how we learn how our body works. Uh, So, so again, PE is really important. It's, it's not a non-essential. Mm-hmm. It, it is an essential component of education. It is right. a, an essential component of how we learn who we are and how our body works. Right. Now, when we think about art, well, I for those of you who are interested in art, I, we don't really need to tell you how important art is <laughs> to our emotional and cognitive development. Mm-hmm. You know, art is a is a wonderful way is a, is a vital way for us to help our brain develop in in different ways than we than it develops when we're learning to read and, right. and do and do math. It's a different system that is developed. That's right.
1: That's right. It's not art is not just about creativity and about making nice things. You want to develop your whole brain. I mean, you know, the, there's more to our brain. Mm-hmm than the neurons we use for reading or for math. Yes, they're important. Yes, they're vitally important. Yes, they're primarily important. But we want to develop all brain regions. And to do that, you have to... That's why all these classes were introduced into schools, because even years ago, we knew that to develop, to develop the whole person, now we say develop the whole brain, you need um, activities other than academic activities based on verbal skills. Right. So art and music and PE... All play a role in developing the entire brain, all, right. all the brain regions. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and Richard, you,
0: you and I both, we have artists in our family. Right. Right. And you know, some of the things that are just fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, last last a couple of years ago, my daughter was in a, a AP art class, mm-hmm. and they had these uh, recurring activities, recurring assignments. And I'm not sure how he got to this, but my daughter was doing, had to do a series of um, art pieces in different medium, um, drawing, color pencils, chalk, different different medium, on mental illness. And so each each piece that she had to create was on a different mental illness. Okay she gained an appreciation mm. of that topic right. in in a way that she probably never would have right. in any other type of mm-hmm. class because she had to not only did she had to have to learn about the disorder the the condition mm-hmm. itself but she then had to express it in a way that was meaningful to her right. you know i remember seeing that piece that your son did mm-hmm. on um the on um on the history of the universe right um mm-hmm. that was Amazing. It took him a long time. To do. He had to learn.
1: He had to learn a lot.
0: Right, and and he he had details in there, um, and and you know the math in its in and of itself that was involved mm-hmm. in saying, well, if this is the linear timeline that we're going to consider the the history of the universe, this is the number of inches or centimeters it would take from the beginning until the time that the Earth was right. created, and he would have to map that out. Um, and, and again, it's, it's much more of
1: a, it, it's many times much more academic than we give it credit for. It's a full, as it was for your daughter, it's a full cognitive process. Right. I mean, it, it, it utilizes and uh, recruits. Um, the entire brain has to be involved in these projects. Okay? Right. And, and that's what's good about art, is that it recruits parts of the brain that we don't recruit in other academic activities. It's not about making pretty pictures. It's about using the brain in these ways, recruiting parts of the brain that we typically wouldn't recruit in any other way. Right, Mm -hmm. right. And and again, it does it in in at least a
0: semi-structured setting Mm -hmm. in the art class Mm -hmm. where the students are given assignments. Hey, here's something I want you to think
1: about and Mm -hmm. create something. That's right, based upon this idea. That's right, because most students at elementary and middle school age are not going to pursue art or music activities at home or anywhere else, unless right. they take private music lessons, which most students don't take. Right. So this is their only opportunity to um, to develop those kind of brain functions um, in those classrooms. It's structured, organized, um, and that's what these kids are going to need. Absolutely, not just reading and math. Right, mm-hmm. right.
0: It, but recognizing that reading and math are incorporated right. in mm-hmm. the art process. Right. I mean, when we think about how the brain works, many of the same regions that we use for math and reading are used in art right. and expression. That's right. So. You know, to, to think that these two things are mutually exclusive
1: is I think that's the, I think mutually exclusive is the point. You know, that, that somehow we, we somebody developed this notion that you're either doing reading or you're not doing reading. No, if you're doing art and music, you're still stimulating the same regions of the brain. Right, you know, right. I mean, it that doesn't matter what you do. The brain is going to get stimulated. So they're not mutually exclusive. I think right. that's the important part. Yeah, there, there was a,
0: you know, in our training... Uh, In our neuroscience training, we we learn about different neurocognitive processes. And and I hope this doesn't bore anybody, but I think this stuff is fascinating. We we think about these different neurocognitive processes, and we we work under the perspective that we can give this test, and if if we give this test, it's a nonverbal test that looks at how the brain organizes information and puts it together. Well, someone very, very intelligent went in and looked at some of those uh, right. Test and said, "Wait a minute! What is reading except for taking a series of symbols and organizing them together into a meaningful right. whole? Mm-hmm. That's exactly what reading is. And so, we can't really mm-hmm. differentiate and separate these systems into completely separate right. and different no, no. Uh, processes. <laughs> That's right. They all intermingle, and and you know." You know, when we think about Brodmann's work and he right. talked about and mapped out these different regions of the brain you know he was pretty clear these regions are there but they all work they together work
1: together they, and, that's right they're discrete right. but they work together they work in unison
0: right and so sure if there's a lesion in a particular area we may see some very specific deficits but what we also see are um, impairments in other areas as well that may not be quite as um obvious right uh, but the, but the difficulties are, are there the, the limitations are present um, So they're not distinct features they're not distinct regions they're, they're not distinct skills. All of these things inter, inter, intersect with one another and work with one another to create the whole brain as you okay. said earlier. And, and the same thing with music right. you know music is in, in many ways, a full body experience. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it is difficult many times when you're listening to a song that you like, it's difficult not to move to it because it affects your whole body. Wow. Um, and, and teaching kids, teaching children um, rhythm, teaching them music appreciation, again, it is a very important cognitive process that. Affects social relationships. It affects, mm-hmm. um, you know. I, I heard a very smart person once say, "Music is math." Right. You know, the the way that music works is a very mathematical process. That's right. Um, and in fact, you can take people who know nothing about music, but you start making some of those mathematical errors mm-hmm. in music, mm-hmm. and everybody can tell. Right. You can say that doesn't, that doesn't feel right. right. That doesn't sound right. So music is, a, is, again, another important area that, or subject, I guess, that, that affects um, much more than just, hey, can you play a recorder? Right. It, it's, it permeates into who we are mm-hmm. because, again, we as social creatures, we, you know, we appreciate music.
1: Every we, culture we, develops music. Right. Every culture does and every culture has created music. There's something fundamentally human about music right that it permeates every culture
0: right right so you know whether it's pe art or music the, these subject areas that have been considered with my air quotes non essential we know in the psychological literature in the educational literature that these are really essential they really are subjects we, right. we really need to have these involved in our in our students' lives. Now the challenge is, is that those are loosely um, structured activities. Right. You know, these are classes, there's a there's a music teacher, there's an art teacher, there's a PE coach. You know, these are for for just using it in the in the broadest sense of the word, these are more structured types of settings which differentiates them a little bit from recess. Mm-hmm. Recess, as we des- described earlier, it is what we're referring to as more non-structured right. um, opportunities for students to, to play outside, to interact with one another in, in a in an unguided
1: way. And, and with no expectation of skill development. Right. You know, we, don't, we don't expect them to become better at Anything. Right, right. Which yeah. unlike PE, right. where we do expect skill development, right. We're
0: not going to major in recess, but right. you may major in P. E. physical education, right. arts. Mm-hmm. So, so let's talk a little bit about recess now. <clears throat> we, we've, I think that we've made the case that these non-essentials like PE, art, and music are, are critical. Uh, but we're going to make the same case for physical or for for recess. recess right. Recess is a Fundamental, critical part of child development, um, and I use the word child development intentionally there, because as we as we have discussed in previous podcasts, what we have seen to what we seem to have taken out of the education system is child development, is yes. the importance of considering the whole child and how the students progress through the developmental trajectory um, that we know is that we know exists
1: that's right for some reason um, education has been narrowed to these academic subjects and uh, what we're seeking here is a broadening of the definition right i mean when, when we got no child left behind suddenly the curriculum got very 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 narrow because of the testing that we do your 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 curriculum will reflect what's tested you know we teach what is what is on the test? Um, why would you have a test if you weren't teaching that material? So you teach what's on the test. No Child Left Behind came along and said these are the things we're going to test. So now schools uh, are very narrowly focused on those items. Right. So of course you get rid of everything that's not going to be on the test. Right. E- art, music, and and uh, and uh, recess. And that's that's where we
0: get the 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 phrase or the idea of academic engaged time. Right. Uh, the idea is is that the more Engaged a student is on these academic subjects, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the more they're going to learn, and we're going to talk about the issues related to that in just a moment, mm-hmm. because it's it sounds nice.
1: It's a great soundbite, but it's not really true. Um, yeah, I think it's a case of overcorrection. Um, year, I can remember years and years and years ago, back in the back in the '60s and '70s, um, educational researchers were doing. Um, studies where they would, where they concluded that one of the problems in education is we weren't spending enough time on academics and we said, well what, what where are you spending your time? Well you have to collect you have to collect lunch money. You have to take the role. You change classes you go out for recess. Recess is not just the time on the playground. It's lining up, it's getting out to recess, it's coming back, everybody getting a drink, washing your hands and educational researchers began to refer to that as non-engaged time. So if you have a six-hour school day, they were calculating how many minutes are spent in non-engaged time. So that was probably worthwhile information to say, yeah, we really should increase engaged time. But I think we may have overcorrected. And so now we are moving in only engaged time and we've done away with all of the non-engaged time and I'm not sure that's worked in the best interest of teachers or students. Right, right. So let's let's talk about for a few
0: minutes some of the benefits of recess. What does recess do for us? Well, one of the things that recess is important for is the development of social relationships, social skills. Uh, The where else except for on the play uh, in an unstructured time on the playground do you figure out what is and what is not socially appropriate you mm-hmm. are corrected very quickly by your peers right. mm-hmm. and and learn very quickly mm-hmm. what is acceptable and what is not acceptable right uh, now now certainly there has to be some oversight to make sure that we don't have bullying and don't have some of those kinds of issues but generally speaking the recess play area, the recess playground, is a critical location for the development of managing and, and developing social skills. Right. You know, how do you handle it when you're the last one picked for a particular game? How do you handle it when your team needed you to do something and you couldn't perform? How do you handle it when your team need, needed you to do something and you did perform? You know, how do you handle those kinds of situations? That comes on the recess playground because nobody's telling you how to handle those situations. Mm -hmm. You're just having to learn on your own. And those types of social skills are really difficult to artificially create. You know, we try because we, we do social skills training here in our office. We try to teach kids that we try to create um, situations in groups and things like that to help kids learn some of these skills, but there is nothing better than the actual playground. There, there, there is nothing that can that is that um, meaningful to the child in learning some of those skills. It's just not possible to recreate. So one of the important things that comes from recess is of course, social, uh, social skills and social relationships. Mm-hmm. Another thing that recess does for us that is difficult to find in other, other places is that it, is, it teaches us to explore. It, it teaches us, you know, especially the younger ages, imaginative play, pretend, is really, really important for some foundational base um, cognitive abilities. We have to learn how to do that. You know, I remember when my daughter was really young; she had an imaginary friend. And um, you know, w- when you're not sure about what's going mm-hmm. on, you think, "Oh my gosh, <laughs> an imaginary friend!" Right. And I remember talking to uh, the psychiatrist that I worked with, Doctor Silver, and he said, "I remember. I'll, I'll never forget him saying, it's wonderful mm-hmm. for kids to have an imaginary friend. It's wonderful.'" Mm-hmm for them to have that type of imagination because that is a sign that's an early sign of intelligence right. he says when you can take when, it, when a kid can differentiate reality from fantasy mm-hmm. and then explore real life challenges in a safe imaginative role playing type of setting right. that is, that, that's how kids problem solve through issues, through problems, when kids play house, right. when kids play... Play doctor. Play doctor. Play anything, right. In all of these types of activities, mm-hmm. activities that you would never play in PE. That's right. You're not going to do this anywhere else. Right. Mm-hmm. Activities that you would never do, be able to do at home because you just right. don't have the, the number of people you need to really do it. Mm-hmm. Those types of activities really create and foster healthy brain development and again, not just in the area of social skills, but also in the area of problem solving, rational thinking, uh, all of these things that we need um, as a foundation for future academics. That's right.
1: And I think that the, one of the things that we want to stress here is that um, recess is play. Okay, It's it's a time when kids are supposed to play. And for the last hundred years, uh, way back to Piaget and Vygotsky and um, at the turn of the, the 20th century, um, the, we have always um, considered play to be a fundamentally important part of child development. And the reason it's an important part of child development is because, because, because it's unstructured, it allows children... To stretch, it allows them to go beyond right. any structured activity. If they're playing, a, um, if they're playing organized sports, they have to play within the rules. They have to play within the uh, the system. You right. know that, that that you only get three strikes, or you only get when children play. They get to extend all those things, and that's what enhances child development. And we've known that for at least a hundred years, and we have taught it, and we have pushed it and we have advocated to allow children to play. Children learn through play. We often read that play is work for children. Right. That's where children do their work is when they're playing. And to take that away, uh, especially in, in a school setting where um, child development should be um, the major focus, um, I think we're doing all kids a disservice. Right. And, and obviously, you know we're not talking about
0: high school students no <clears throat> because by then right. hopefully they've learned most of these things that they would get from recess that's right we're we're talking about uh, most in particular the the early elementary school years right um though these skills are good throughout elementary school all the way through the 5th grade right. um for kids to continue to learn Um, You know, you mentioned Piaget, you know, Piaget's stages of psychological development, psychological and cognitive development, you know, says that these kids up to about middle school, Mm -hmm. you know, they're developing these concrete Mm -hmm.
1: uh, base skills that's Mm -hmm. going to be the foundation of their later formalized Mm -hmm. thinking. And you know the 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 theorist who follows him, Lev Vygotsky, the famous Russian psychologist. Vygotsky was great. Yep, and he said the same thing. You know, Vygotsky had this concept of the zone of proximal development, where children learn with some support. Play allows them to extend the zone of proximal development. It pushes it out just a little bit more. Because they're they're able to do it, and because it's an unstructured situation, they're able to stretch and push just a little farther. Right, where they can't do that in a structured formal setting. Right, right. You know,
0: I, I coach. I've mentioned before that I coach soccer. Right, and, and one of the things that we do with our, our players, whether it's my U fifteen team, fourteen to fifteen year old players, or or it's my U uh, five team, my little four year olds, four and five year olds. You know, one of the things that we do is we take time every practice Mm -hmm. just to be silly you know let's let's see what's the neatest trick we can try Mm -hmm. and i'll have my little four-year-olds out there and they're trying to do all kinds of crazy things with the ball but that's going to be their foundation of how does my body need to move to make this happen and it's you know we we think about um our our senses Mm -hmm. you know and, and our real sixth sense right. isn't esp our real sixth sense is proprioception right. our understanding of where our Understand body is our body. in space right. and and that comes from exploration for the most part i mean being able to close your eyes and touch your nose mm-hmm. you know no visual cues no auditory cues Being able to know where your body is in space without any of these other senses is a critical, is a very important developmental process. And they, kids, learn that through unstructured exploration. Um, That's how how we best learn it. Because, again, as I said before, it's really difficult to artificially create these kinds of situations. And most parents don't know how to do that. Um, We know how to do some of that because... We have had some training, but for the most part, you know, parents don't know how to do that. They don't. They don't know what to do. So, so recess helps with social development. It helps with this exploration. The, the, some of this um, cognitive development, and and just as importantly, what recess provides is a it 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 mm-hmm. it, it, it allows you to hit a reset button, um, so that you can be rejuvenated, so that you can um you know have something to to say, to to let go some frustration let go some stress go out and just run around a little bit so that you can reset and come back and be prepared you know um one of the things i i work with with my patients including my adult patients is you you need something to look forward to mm-hmm. you know as we said in um our mental breakdown podcast uh, the other day you know there are lots of times when we do things that we don't really want to do. Uh, but we do them anyways because we need a paycheck because uh, for whatever reason. We, we do them because we have to do them. Well, what helps us through that sometimes is, is having a goal, having something that we're looking forward to. So if we, we bring that down to you know, a second grader, all you need is to is to have something to look forward to. Now, for them, they can't look forward to something that's a paycheck right. that's going to come in two weeks. Week. What right. they need is something to look forward to that in 20 minutes, I get to go out and play on the recess field. So I can hold myself together for 20 more minutes so that I can get out there to the to the field and run around a little bit.
1: I survived elementary school with that credo. Yeah. Uh, I, I could not have. I could not have done school the way my kids have done it. Right. Um, I knew that about every hour and a half we were going to be outside. We went outside three times a day. Yeah. <clears> when I was in elementary school. Wow. Morning, right after lunch, and once in the afternoon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and that— that learned anything.
0: Right. Well, you know, there was a—I posted on our, our Facebook page this little video. Mm-hmm. I think it's from the Huffington Post. It was produced by a group called Fatherly. And it was talking about the differences between U.S. schools, elementary schools, yeah. and, oh, and Finland. Oh, yeah. um, and one of the things they said was, on average, um, me- meaning taking all schools into account, mm-hmm. U.S. schools maybe spend about 15 minutes a day at recess. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, um, that's certainly taking into consideration that many schools have no recess and other schools maybe have 30 minutes of recess right. um, and averaging them out. Finnish schools, on average, spend 75 minutes a day in recess. Really? Yeah. So, we and again, they perform much higher than U.S. schools do. We probably
1: did, too, because we, we had a break mid-morning, we had a break after lunch, and we had a break mid-afternoon. Right. So we had three recesses per day.
0: Right. Well, it was an elementary so school. if each recess was maybe 20 minutes, 20 or minutes, 20, 25 minutes, minutes. Yeah.
1: there's your, there's your, your hour. Mm-hmm. So, again... And yet we learned... The multiplication tables, and we learned how to write, and we learned how to spell, yeah. and we learned cursive. And you, you know, you know words that I don't know. <laughs> That's because they're obsolete. <laughs> <laughs> they're archaic. It's another language. That's
0: right. But but it's true that you know that that reset button, that having something to look forward to, right. is, is so important for kids. Mm-hmm. And. Again, I just I started this this portion out saying that I teach my I try to teach my adult patients this. We, we're not learning this anymore. Kids don't appreciate this anymore. To say you know what, if I work on this now, I can have this thing that I enjoy later, right. and, and we're not really teaching kids that because, um, it's there not- is no in, end in sight. Right.
1: I want uh, you, as you're talking, I'm thinking. What must it be like for a seven or eight year old boy or girl, but I'm thinking about boys, to know that at 7.15 or 7.30 in the morning, they enter a room and they're going to stay there until 11 o'clock. And the only time they might leave is to go to the bathroom. Right. You know, if they ask to go to the bathroom to get out. I. And then at 11 o'clock, they go
0: to lunch. To lunch. And they have, where they're
1: not allowed to talk. Right. It's or, silent lunch and line up and don't do anything and don't talk. And... and Then they go back to that same classroom right, where they're quiet again. Until... With nothing to look forward to except love. From, from, what elementary schools start at 7 or eight? Eight eight. 8. 8. 8, yeah. And if you have lunch at 11, that means you're in this room for three hours without a break. Right. That's a lot for a kid.
0: Right. Right. And and for young kids, that
1: is eternity. That's a long time. That's a long time. They don't do anything for three hours. Right. I mean, think of a kid. Think of a typical seven-year-old kid in a house. He's doing hundreds of things in a three-hour period. Right. Well, wow. you know, and it's interesting because parents will say, "Well,
0: he won't even sit down and watch a whole movie." Right. Well, a whole movie is only an hour and a half. Exactly. But we're at school. We're expecting him to do it for three or four hours. Right. Of engaged, highly
1: structured with high expectations
0: right, right. so uh, you know the, the concern of course is that we're, we're creating this inability to um, to just develop the skills necessary right. to to work through some of these challenges and so on their own, on their own yeah. right. you know we, we've talked before about you know it's our theory that much many, many of the issues we have with video games Um, And homework and all of that is for this exact same reason. You know, a kid says, well, any opportunity that I have to play video games, I need to play them because who knows when I'll get to play them again? Well, because to some kids, three hours is who knows when that time frame is going to end. And so they they go in and they they know that once I start homework... Mm -hmm that process is going to take in the words of kids that we talk to forever. forever. Right. So they go into it thinking this is going to last forever. Why wouldn't they be avoidant of that? Right. You know, right. we would be as adults. If we were getting into something and in our mind it was going to be an activity that was going that we don't like, that was going to last forever, we would be completely avoidant of that. We would never want to start that process. Right. Right. Um yet Again, we're expecting our kids to do that. We're expecting them and, and to do that without any fuss, without any arguments, yeah, without right. any complaints. Mm-hmm. And if they do, then we say, well, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I, You have to do this every day. Why are you complaining about it? Well, they're complaining about it because they have to do it every because day. Because we have to do it every day. So, um, so these breaks, uh, and we, we, we recommend many times... Almost a recess type of break during homework. Right. You know, just a five minute break, just mm-hmm. get out and just reset yourself a little bit, and then go back to it. Right. Uh, but recess um, provides that reset. That's that's also oh important. So, so with all this, and we've you know we we kind of uh, had the spoiler earlier, um, and. Uh, sort of already said why this is such an issue because and the big issue with recess is time Mm -hmm. time is the the primary culprit for why we don't have recess the way that we used to Um, and what we mean by time is we just don't have the time in the day Mm -hmm. Uh, according to schools we don't have the time in the day to sacrifice for this unimportant, quote unquote non-essential activity of we're referring to as recess, yeah. we just don't have time for it. Yeah,
1: even even here we use the word we're sacrificing. You know, we're really not sacrificing. Right. It, it, it should be an integral part of everybody's day. Absolutely, absolutely. And so the the way the reason that we see this
0: as an issue, and I, and I say we sort of meaning collectively, there's, there's a, a growing body of literature that talks about this. There are lots of professionals talking about this. So I'm talking about we um, collectively. The reason that we have a problem with this is that it's because the, the, the principle under which this idea has grown is flawed. More academic engaged time does not equate to more learning. Mm-hmm. We know that that's the case we but, know that it's not true.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's the because of erosion. I mean, the longer kids are engaged, they just wear down and wear down and wear right. down and wear down until finally you reach a point of diminishing returns. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. We know that about how long a right. child children at different ages can attend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. After that point, you're really not getting much from them. Right. right. And, and the and the problem I feel like I keep saying the problem. The problem with that is the teachers then have to assume. And it's not the teachers; um, it's it's the administrators who are saying, or who are putting these practices into place, are then assuming that well, if this is an academic engaged time, the teacher is presenting the information. Therefore, the student must have learned the information, and so tomorrow we go on to the next skill. Right. Regardless of whether or not the students really learned the information. Mm-hmm. And so what's happening is, is that there is this assumption that because the information was taught during a quote-unquote academic engaged time, the material must have been mastered by the student, and right. therefore we can go ahead and test and move on to the next skill. Mm-hmm. There are so many problems with that that perspective, that idea, um, I, I don't even know where we would begin in, in, in managing it. It's, it's just there, there, there's nothing that makes sense about mm-hmm. that to me. Mm-hmm. Because when we have – oh, I'm going to say it. When, when we have this issue, when we have Common Core coming along – I see that response. No. When we have Common Core coming along saying every school has to be on the same page each day and the teachers have to be teaching the same material Mm -hmm. each day, Mm -hmm. they're not recognizing the fact that just because a student is sitting in class does not mean that the student is mastering the information.
1: Well, again, we come back to that question, um, and this is something we talk about in our classes, and I'm sure you've discussed it in your classes as well. Just because something is taught doesn't mean that it's learned. Right. And, And schools need to focus on student learning, not on teaching. And what Common Core is doing is they're saying, this is what needs to be taught each day. But there's no mechanism to make sure that it's being learned except some sort of test at the end of a nine weeks or a semester or the end of a year. Exactly. That's not the way the system should be working. Um, we, don't, we don't have any... We, we, we have replaced learning with teaching. And we have said to our students for years that... Are, are pre-service teachers. Just because you teach a wonderful lesson doesn't mean that your students are learning it. Right. And the, the emphasis has to be on learning, not teaching. Right. Okay. Teaching is a vehicle for learning. If no learning is occurring, it doesn't matter how good your teaching is. Your right. Teaching is only as good as, as your your students are at learning it. Uh, and Common Core doesn't accommodate to that. Right. And, right. and Richard, how many teachers have we talked to that says if
0: if... The administrator walks into my classroom, right. and I'm not teaching from the page that I'm supposed to be teaching from. And right. on the lesson that I'm supposed to be teaching from that day, right. I will be written up. That's right. And, and you know, I, I, don't, I, I don't want to believe that it's actually the administrators in the building, the, the actual principals in the building. This is coming
1: from higher and higher up. The principals know better. Right. Yeah, yeah. The these principals are, these know. These are administrators at a, at a higher level. Right. Or simply the, passing this on.
0: Right. But the idea, the, the the ridiculous idea, that every student, because of the, just because of the fact they're sitting in the classroom, is going to learn everything that the teacher is presenting. Mm-hmm. That is a that is a fundamental misunderstanding. I'm going to say misunderstanding to be nice because there's probably something worse than that. Misunderstanding of child development and learning
1: in general. It's a negation of child development. I mean, we know that not all kids do the same thing at the same time. They don't walk at the same time. They don't talk at the same time. Right. They don't do anything at the same time. They do it within a range, you know, and the range gets broader and broader each year. But we're talking about common core.
0: Yeah. We didn't want to talk Don't about Common Core started. today. Don't get me started we're on gonna, Common Core. I think we're we're, gonna, we're doing some research on Common Core, and we're gonna. I think we're gonna present on that one or talk about to, that one next week. We need to
1: discuss Common Core.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I, I didn't mean to mention it. It he, was.
1: He does that. Period. Once every program, he gets some subject and he picks at it until I get aroused. So, but but today is about uh, recess. About recess.
0: Right? Hey, but but these. Educational policies
1: um, create the problem that we're having with, with um... that's right. And you know, another thing we haven't mentioned yet when you talk about when you talk to people about well, why shouldn't we? Have, because there are people who have the case against recess, okay? Right. And they talk about engaged time, but they talk about two other issues. One is safety. Right. When kids go out, they get hurt. Right. But that's what happens with kids that when when you're playing, sometimes you get. A, we have all. Hurt ourselves, scratched our knees, gotten bloody lips, bloody mm-hmm. noses, cut lips. Yeah, when you play, sometimes that happens. But the other thing is the liability issue. Mm-hmm. Many schools are afraid of the liability issue. Right. So there's a safety issue of kids getting injured, but also uh, some some schools are in some pretty rough neighborhoods. Right. And to put the kids outside might put them at risk. Right. Uh, we, we acknowledge that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and and I I'm there with you as right. far as you know. I I think that. And this is horrible to say, uh, the way that it has to be said. But I, I, I do mean it. Sometimes kids need to get hurt. You know, I remember. I remember my son, uh, and I talk about. I, I probably talk about my kids too much on this, but, um, I remember my son was playing. He was, you know, little. He was in machine pitch baseball, mm-hmm. so he was he was young, and, and I remember he played catcher. And one game, he, you know, you teach him, you teach kids all the proper mechanics mm-hmm. for these things. And one day, he was going to catch the ball, and he allowed his throwing hand to come from behind his back, and it kind of, it kind of ventured out to the side a little bit, and the ball went down and tipped, hit the ground and came up and broke his finger. Mm-hmm. It hit, it hit his non-gloved hand and, and broke his finger. Well, it hurt. Um, but you know, it's a finger. They put a splint on it, and, and that was really it. What Connor learned from that, though, is he didn't make that mistake again. Right. For one, and for two, the next game with a splint on his finger, he was playing catcher again. Mm-hmm. Um, and you survived. He he survived it, right. and and now as he's playing U fifteen mm-hmm. soccer, he plays goalie. Right. Um, the kid is fearless mm-hmm. because he knows and he comes home and he he'll have cleat marks on his legs and he'll have bruises he he had one time this is horrible he had a cleat mark on his face he right. was actually stepped on when he went for the ball one time but he knows that he's going to be okay mm-hmm. he knows that you know as long as i protect my head as best i can so no concussions or anything like that he knows he's going to be okay and it It allows him to play in such a way, you know, he's hoping for a college scholarship or something like that to help pay for him to go to, he wants to go to medical school to prepare him for that. But he knows how his body works. He can control his body, I think, better than I could. And and I too Mm -hmm. played sports, but he knows his body so well. Because he allowed himself to get hurt. He put himself out there and, and took some risks. Right. And he knows what risks are okay to take, and he knows which risks are not okay
1: to take. That makes me think of those playgrounds that are dangerous. Yes. You know, the, the yeah. one in Berkeley? Yeah. You know, that they are—they have old sofas and steel mm-hmm. rods and things that you could get hurt on. So it teaches kids to be careful. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with these minor cuts and scrapes. And we don't certainly don't want anybody to be hurt seriously. But... Um, if you're out there playing and stretching and 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 going beyond your abilities, which is what we want kids to do, every once in a while you're going to get hurt. Right. Which is different than the safety issues of kids being molested or kidnapped, or, or, or hurt in some way. Absolutely. So there are two safety issues. Then, there, but there are, is this liability issue. Right. And I, you know, you can't fault school administrators for being concerned about that because. In today's climate, yeah, if a kid gets injured on the playground, you're pr- it's the, the potential there. The chances of you getting sued are pretty high, right? So I can see why schools are concerned about that. But you can't let that kind of fear, right, limit the entire um, you system. Ha- you have to find you some way to, to work take, around that. That's right. You have yeah. to take those chances, um, and and hope that things work out. So, right. um, but but I think the so you have safety, you have liability. But you also have the effects on learning. That's mainly what we've been talking about right. today. Is that do we really gain anything by doing away with recess or art or music or any of these other non-essentials? Right, right. And and, and, and so could, we don't.
0: Right, and um, and uh, you know, looking at my notes, where we were going with that, the, the the idea was that you know, despite these reasons why and these, the, these arguments against recess, d- despite those. The purpose, the, the true underlying purpose of cutting out recess and some of these other uh, things was because we need more academic engaged time with the illusion or mm-hmm. delusion, whichever mm-hmm. one we want to say, that just because you're sitting in class, you're going to learn more. That is false. Right. That is not accurate. Um, and there is nothing... In the, in the psychological or educational mm-hmm. literature to suggest that it is true. That's
1: right. That that's simply right. sitting in the classroom makes you learn more. That, that's not true. And that's the important message in, in all that we've talked about today is there simply is no support for the notion that having only academic engaged time is, is, provides any advantage, right. provides any gain. It, right. it just isn't true. There's no support for it. And in these days of using evidence-based uh, interventions or evidence-based instruction, which is what we're told to do, the evidence is that kids need to have a break. They need to have breaks.
0: Right, mm-hmm. right. And, and in fact, that is the recommendation. that That is what the educational science suggests mm-hmm. as recommendations for when right. kids are you know,
1: aren't performing at their highest level, oh, mm-hmm. just give them a short break right. and let them get back at it. And their pediatricians have, have said the same thing. The American right. Academy of Pediatrics has come out in favor of recess. Right, right. It's better for kids to have recess. Right. So we
0: need these brain breaks. Mm-hmm. We need these opportunities to, to, to disengage Right. so that when we re-engage, that, that connection can be stronger. That's right.
1: Um, you know, if you think about, you talked about the brain earlier. When you think about how the brain works, our our brain uses two things for fuel. One is oxygen and one is glucose. Right. And if you get out and you ox, and, and that oxygen and glucose are brought to the brain by the blood system. That's how those two fuels right. get to your brain is through the blood. So by going outside and reoxygenating that blood, mm-hmm. getting new oxygen in and getting it up to your brain, you're cleaning out that whole system in a way, and you're rejuvenating your brain because you're getting fresh blood and fresh oxygen to your brain. Right. So, from biologically, it makes sense to have PE, uh, to have recess. Just, right. Just get better. Get just get more oxygen up there. Right. You right. Because you sit in a classroom uh, for hours and hours and hours and hours, and and you're just going to get tired. You're just going to wear down. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You, you. You. There has to be some. Uh, and you used this
0: word a few minutes ago. Uh, there has to be some arousal. There right. has to be some yeah, re- something to, to re- Activate the system. Yes, right. yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and, and, and recess is a wonderful way to do that. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't require any teacher planning. Mm-hmm. It doesn't require anything except for going out and just you know, monitoring
1: right. and making sure uh, nobody runs away. Whatever, that's right. Whatever you lose in time, whatever you lose in time, you make up for in arousal and activation and rejuvenation of the system. Right, right, right. That's a good trade-off. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely, Mm -hmm. absolutely. So, uh, you know, with all of this said, and and we've already touched on it, we appreciate the fact that there are some problems Mm -hmm. with reinstituting recess
1: yeah there are some practical problems that we have to solve yeah
0: whether it's whether it's safety as you mentioned earlier uh the weather you know weather that's true let's let's be honest you know we're we're located in in central florida uh it's hot Mm -hmm. in in august september october (laughs) november (laughs) it's hot outside and and to to have little ones out you know playing at you know one or two o'clock in the afternoon right um it's it's hot. And right. so, you know, those are realistic issues that have to be considered
1: mm-hmm. because, you know, you have to think about their safety. Under those conditions, even the children don't want a 15-minute recess. You know, right. they're, they're ready to come back in after five or six minutes of that heat. Right. But that's okay. Yeah. That's all right. Come in, yeah. and get a drink, and settle down. You know, they're not going to stay out there in that heat for longer than 10 minutes. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, there, there are times
0: when even at – Eight thirty in the morning is too hot to be outside. <laughs> That's, right. Uh, That's right. So, so you know that you know the weather is an issue uh, mm-hmm. again here in Central Florida uh, and lots of other places in the country. You know, in, in the afternoon, yeah. it's raining. Right. You know, you can't go outside and do and mm-hmm. play when it's raining. Right. But you know, there's nothing to say that recess necessarily has to be outside. That's right. It, it can Doesn't be an inside right. uh, free time. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you know, whether it's safety, uh, the weather, uh, the the other issue. Uh, the case, um, the case against recess it is also, you know, part of the reason why it's hard to reinstitute recess, and that, and again, that is time. Right. Uh, here, here in in Florida, you know, the expectation is is that students have somewhere between uh, what is it, sixty to ninety minutes mm-hmm. of uninterrupted reading time right. every day, right. every day. So, there's only so many minutes in the school day. And so if you have 90 minutes of un- uninterrupted reading time combined mm-hmm. with language arts class, math class, science, because right. we hope that they keep science uh, yeah. in, mm-hmm. uh, lunch and all these other subjects, the the time very quickly disappears. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's not the time given during the day to be able to do that. And so it goes back to some other policy issues that right. may not be Specifically addressing recess, but certainly affect the opportunity to have recess. And again, that is that is time. You know, there, there just isn't enough time during the day for students to be able to have those opportunities. Mm-hmm. So w- we recognize that, and, and we also know that there are people who are working to overcome some of those issues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At least he, here in Polk County, we know right. that there are some people who are working to, mm-hmm. to to change some of that, so that we can better navigate some of those issues, and right. yeah. uh, so that we can make sure
1: that they have that time. Right. It's a it's a thoughtful uh, group of people who are addressing this issue in Polk County. So that was that was um, encouraging to right. hear them talk and take this issue seriously, and to really dig in and and really overcome these obstacles that that clearly are there. Right. But they're working hard to overcome them, and I think they're doing an excellent job. So right. We're excited about it. And we're part of that conversation here in Polk County. And, right. you know,
0: if you're from somewhere else and, and would like some support or anything, you know, please reach out to us mm-hmm. and contact us. We're happy to, right. to help out and to, to uh, add our voice uh, to the conversation and mm-hmm. to, to make some of the recommendations and right. uh, things that we're, we're trying to do here in Polk County because right. – it, it, it is like everything. I mean, it seems like we say this every week. You know, it really is going to be a social movement that works to mm-hmm. change some of these things, okay. and so it's, we all have to unify our voice to to help elicit some of the changes that
1: we're needing. And and like so many other issues that we talk about uh, in pedia and uh, the mental breakdown, we want to do what's best for children. Right. You know, we want to do what 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 do kids really need, and that's what we want to be advocating and pushing. And encouraging people to think about it from the kids' point of view, what do they really need? And one of the things they really need is this recess time. I mean, there's no question about that. So, encourage you to get involved in that conversation. Absolutely. So, well, I think that's That's it. That's it for today. Okay. Uh,
0: All's well. Um, So, join in on the conversation. Write to us. We we had some listeners. on, on Mixler, which sure. is always nice. Uh, we love we love it when our listeners uh, chime in and, mm-hmm. and talk to us and and join in on the conversation. Um, we encourage you to check us out on iTunes uh, if you if you haven't listened to us on iTunes yet. Uh, it's it, you know it's pretty good. Pretty good. I think it's very good. <laughs> very good. Um, if you do listen to us on. Um, iTunes. We would love for you to write a review um, because by writing reviews and rating us, that's how other people find out about us, and they can uh, they, they can join in on the conversation. Uh, we had this nice uh, review uh, by uh, the the leaders over at uh, the New Teacher Podcast. It's a, it's a a new podcast that was just started not long ago. Um, and by, by Anthony Arno, um, and he wrote a very nice review for us, and we appreciate that. Um, and his podcast is, is, is really good. He, he has teachers on, and uh, he's talking about different things I learned about. And not that I'm doing advertisement for Anthony, but uh, it, was, it was an excellent podcast where he was interviewing this teacher, uh, high school teacher down in, I think he was in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. And he does this year-long course called, uh, assignment called Tales from the Crypt. And what what they will do is he, each of his students will, will research a person uh, in one of the local cemeteries. Mm-hmm. And then they'll do this entire presentation about the person's life uh-huh. and talk about them and everything. And so they're learning about all kinds of things. So if you had the opportunity and you're, you're a teacher and you're interested in any of those things, uh, check out Anthony's um, uh, podcast. Again, it's called The New Teacher Podcast. Um, he, he's, uh, he's doing a great job over there. Um, so check him out. Um, but again, uh, I w- kind of went off on that because I-, I listened to his podcast the other day and it was fantastic. Um, but if you get the opportunity, do jump on and, and learn about ours. That's-, that's how I learned about Anthony's because he wrote a-, wrote a review on our podcast. And so that's how other people will find out about about ours yeah. at- here at Paidea, um and at The Mental Breakdown. So write a review. Uh, let us know what you think. You can write to us on... Uh, iTunes, or on Twitter, uh, at Dr. Bernie at D-R-B-E-R-N-E-Y is our handle, so that you can get to us there. Uh, but you can also get to us on Facebook. Facebook. we got lots of pages Twitter, and stuff. Uh, Facebook is, uh, we have the Mental website. Breakdown, mm-hmm. we have uh, and we have Paedia, uh, P-A-E-D-E-I-A. Uh, you can check us out either place. Follow us, we're always posting columns and articles and News reportings and um, always trying to repost things by our hero, uh, Diane Ravitch. Uh put, put lots of her stuff out there so everybody can read it. Um, so stay in touch with us. Follow us. Uh, join in on the conversation uh, because we'd love to hear from you. And um, keep talking about these things. All right? Keep, keep it going. All right. Okay. So until next week um, where we're going to be talking about Common Core. Common Core. All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. And so I'm Dr. Bernie. I'm Dr. Richard. Have a terrific week and a happy Thanksgiving. Oh, that's right. Bye bye. <laughs>